Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 with me, Michelle Martin. Good morning, everybody. Joining me as we break down all the market action. Friday, how are you feeling? Friday, hey. TGIF, Michelle. <laughs> Made it to the end of the week, Brian. How are you feeling? Super. So, what's your plans for the weekend, anyways? Ah, I can't think that far ahead, Ryan. <laughs> I got to get past the deadlines of today. Let's start this morning with Southeast Asia's second largest bank in terms of assets. I'm talking about OCBC. It is the last of Singapore's three listed banks to open its earnings books for the past quarter. So, how's it doing, Ryan? All right. So, in line with the other two banks, it is putting in a pretty decent showing. And this is, let's start with the numbers. For the half year, first half of the year, it's up 38% for net profit to $3.59 billion. That is a record. So well done, OCBC. Okay, looking at what else is um, something we're tracking is the second quarter net profit zooming in. There was up 34% to $1.7 billion. And the drivers behind the better numbers, you've got net interest income rising 40% to $2.4 billion. So that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on here. It's benefiting from higher interest rates Mm -hmm. and a similar picture played out for DBS and UOB as well. And among the things um, that really um, are worth talking about is the outlook, which does look a bit cautious. And this is also being flagged by DBS. If you look at the front page of the Business Times, it is looking a bit cautious about the loans picture. So, OCBC will be paying an interim dividend of $0.40 per share. It netted $1.71 billion in the last quarter. A bit less than expected, but still a very strong performance. So, when you look at OCBC's earnings, you mentioned a couple of Mm. things there, but what else stands out for you? Yeah, let me unpack it a bit more. And a couple of things besides the higher interest rates that it's been benefiting from, it's also benefiting from the geopolitical tensions. What's playing out between the US and Chinese sites? People just looking for safe havens and the money is flowing to Singapore banks. And OCBC flagged it as one of the reasons why it is seeing more wealthy customers bring their money to OCBC. Um, So the next question is, what are they doing with the money? So some of them are sitting on the cash for now, trying to figure out what to do. So there is potential upside for actually all three banks Mm -hmm. when you look at it. These wealthy customers, the inflows, once they start buying investment products, there is going to be some upside in terms of fees. So that could be promising. Something else that could be worth watching is China because OCBC is the bank with the largest exposure to China. And of course, when we talk about China, it's been going through a bit of a slump, especially in the property sector. So until that is out of the doldrums, the loans exposure picture there is not super. Um, To give you an idea, some of the third and fourth tier cities are putting up property promotions right now. Buy one floor, get one free. Wow. That is how much of a supply glut is going on with some of these cities. And some of the analysts say it'll take 13 years to finish clearing out all the inventory. That's how much of a supply issue there is right now. Okay, so that's China. So otherwise, you've got 
a rather pretty decent picture for OCBC. It is worth noting that business at OCBC's insurance arm, Great Eastern, is also going well. Great Eastern is reporting a 250% jump in second quarter profits. So if we compared OCBC to its peers, DBS and UOB, Ryan, which bank would you say is doing best right now? Yeah, it's a tough one because they all have their own type of story to tell. If you look at OCBC, they have the story around the China rebound eventually. Uh, If you look at DBS, that has a pretty good picture, record numbers when it comes to income. And they also see a further fee income lift from the credit cards business due to higher spending as people travel more. Typically, they'll put their expenses on credit cards. So that's going to be one area of fees that will be generated from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wealth management as well. Wealth management is a big thing for DBS. And they also talk about how there's going to be upside when these wealthy inflows will start to be deposited into investments. So I think the DBS story is quite compelling. But by and large, if you look at UOB, the ASEAN story is there as well. They are still integrating the assets they acquired from City that will go through the ASEAN growth story, which to some extent is quite resilient. Uh, versus the rest of the world. So all three banks have a pretty good story to tell. Shares of all three listed Singapore banks have really been on a tear over the past month. UOB up 5%, OCBC up more than 7%, and shares of DBS are up nearly 10%. Yes, I think I forgot to mention the net interest margins. So DBS also flagged that they were surprised by the upside in net interest margins because they thought that it would be peak rate back in the first quarter But they still benefited quite a lot from net interest margins this quarter. And I think that also played out for OCBC. Looking good, those names. Let's turn to the global markets now, where all eyes are on Amazon and Apple. Both tech giants have reported earnings this morning. So which of the big A's is doing better? Is it Apple? Is it Amazon? All right. I am looking at Amazon as the winner of the two. So this is overall putting in a stronger sales outlook than expected off the back of the e-commerce business. And I guess if you look at it, the cloud business, even though it's slowing down, it is still looking quite decent versus the Apple story, which is a bit more sluggish where sales of iPhones are still in a bit of a slump. And one big reason was because there wasn't really a lot of um, product releases in that quarter that is reporting. So maybe people, Apple fans, are just holding out for the next iPhone 15 and more. I want to take a closer look at Amazon. So Bloomberg writes that Amazon CEO Andy Jassy has pulled off a financial double play. Amazon reporting strong revenue growth while also cutting spending. How did this happen? Yeah, you might remember Andy Jassy coming into the job two years ago. And among the first things he did was to cut costs. And in recent times, he's also been cutting people. So yeah. to some extent, he has been already on a bit of an austerity campaign, um, if you look at it, making it more efficient for Amazon. So it is now paying off and this is being reflected in the numbers. And to give you an idea of how many people were fired, 27,000 people. That is how much was cut. And if you look at the results right now, um, second quarter revenue increased 11%. And if you look at the online business, They've been going through some changes as well, restructuring in terms of making things faster, 
deliveries faster. That helps with sales volumes. So that was one big reason why Amazon's e-commerce business did better than expected. The cloud business, even though it is going through a slowdown for a sixth straight quarter, it does have some signs of stabilizing. Mm. And I think going forward, people are saying, hey, it is going to be the infrastructure that the AI story will have to rest on. So this could be upside for Amazon down the road. So um, lots of axe wielding has paid off that unsentimental um, canning of a lot of projects, relooking a lot of uh, Jeff Bezos's projects and uh, doing away with some jobs, unfortunately. But investors are applauding Jassy's performance. Amazon shares are up nearly 9% in after hours trade. I want to take a look at Apple right now. The F- Apple iPhones makers' uh, results have come in above expectations, but maybe the bar was set a bit low. <laughs> it is worth noting that its sales are down for the third straight quarter, but while iPhone and hardware sales are soft, another business segment is picking up the slack for Apple. What is it? Yeah, and this this is the one everyone was watching out for, services. So we've talked about how Apple's iPhone sales have been rather sluggish for some time. You know, people don't upgrade their phones as much as before. Yeah. So that's one big factor. And one of the big factors behind that is the costs of everything going up. People just want to spend on stuff elsewhere and maybe wait for a better iPhone 15. It really needs to blow your socks off. You know, Every time the iPhone comes out, people will complain, it's not much different from the last one except a new colour or a bigger screen. So they really need to just shake things up on mm. the iPhone front at least. But the good news is the services front is really shoring things up. And that's where you have the likes of the Apple TV stuff, the services that you acquire for your games, Apple App Store. So that is just becoming a more lucrative business quarter and quarter. And I think that's where they are trying to build up the Apple ecosystem to towards. No, it doesn't matter if they can't sell as many Apple iPhones, but if you can subscribe to more Apple services, I think that's where uh, they are eyeing their efforts. So putting in money into content for Apple TV, for example. Smart pivot there, moving away from hardware as a main source of revenue. Apple shares down 2% in extended hours trade. Watch out tonight and we'll see if Apple's market cap falls below the 3 trillion US dollar mark. One more note about Apple before I move on. A marked difference between its earnings calls and those of its competitors is that Apple CEO Tim Cook rarely mentions AI, artificial intelligence. We talked a little about this earlier in the week. Well, this morning, a reporter asked him, why don't you mention artificial intelligence much? What did Cook say? Yeah, so someone had to ask a question. <laughs> in fact, he didn't even mention the word AI until the analyst asked the question. <sighs> so the idea here is that Tim Cook is saying AI has always been around, around the Apple story. And machine learning has been quite critical to how its software, its services, how Apple is run. So it's already something that is happening. It's part of the Apple nature. So there is almost um, no reason to talk it up because it is Apple. There is no reason to highlight it in a sense. It's always been Apple. That is the idea here. Uh, And they are talking about how they will only talk about stuff when things are ready instead of hyping things up ahead of time. So that is the... MO for Apple uh, when they typically announce their products. You don't really hear about it until you hear about it. 
Very strategic choice and consistent with Apple's culture. Focus on the products, not on the technology behind them. That's all back end, back of stage, so to speak. We don't need to see it. Amazon, by the way, has been ramping up its use of AI rhetoric. It talked about artificial intelligence 34 times during its earnings call this morning. Not as much as Microsoft or Alphabet, but a lot more than Apple, I have to say. All right, it's time for corporate news and we do it up or down style. I'm looking at the clock. It's 19 minutes past nine. A couple of entries to get through today. So I've divided them into two rounds. We're going to start with international stocks and then move to those locally listed ones. Feel free to play along at home, by the way. Absolutely no prizes. Ryan, are you ready? <laughs> no prizes. Okay, I'll go along with that. <laughs> I might send you my morning mug if you'd like. Uh, there are a trio of game makers in this first round. Let's start with Nintendo. All right. So Nintendo is going to be and up for me. And this is pretty obvious if you've been following the news. We've had a pretty blockbuster Super Mario movie. And if you're a gamer, they just released one of the most anticipated games for the Zelda franchise. So as you expect, its earnings are reflecting the pickup. So rising 50% for revenue in the quarter ended June. Are you a Legend of Zelda fan? I have not actually played Zelda before. <laughs> have you played Zelda before? <laughs> haven't even seen it. Uh, brothers at home, all they do are those racing car things. Yeah, but I've watched and a Super Mario movie, and I think this is the start of many Nintendo franchise type of movies. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I Did heard well. good things about it, yeah. So Nintendo's profits jumped 50% during the second quarter of the year, thanks in much part to that Super Mario Brothers movie and that new game in the uh, Legend of Zelda franchise. Tears of Kingdom, by the way, has become the fastest-selling title in the history of the series. So it's all good news for Nintendo. I'll give it an up. All right, still on games. Let's look at Hasbro. All right, Hasbro is going to be... A down for me. So it might surprise you oh, what's going on with Hasbro. So this is around the headlines you've been hearing from the other part of Hollywood, which is the writers going on strike. Some of the actors as well going on strike. And all this behind the pay issues, mm-hmm. working conditions as well. So Hasbro is flagging that as an issue because it has a film and TV studio, E1. Mm-hmm. So it expects to take a hit from the ongoing strike in it's full year revenue forecast. So it's down, it's down for me for Hasbro. I join you there. And we have to say that uh, Hasbro, that film and TV studio, you mentioned E1. It won't have it for much longer, Hasbro, because it is selling E1 to Lionsgate Entertainment for half a billion dollars. So while the game maker doesn't seem to be doing as well as Nintendo, I'll still give it an up because it focuses on its more profitable brands, clearly. Talking about the acquisition, so Lionsgate, buying the E1 studio is a sign that perhaps we could get the Monopoly movie coming. That is what people are saying right now. The Monopoly movie. We capture that. How many times will you get go to jail for that movie? <laughs> Not sure about that, but you never know. Uh, Mattel. All right, Mattel. Wow. I have to say it's up. Everyone's talking about Barbie. Yeah. So I will go on that basis and... On top of that, it has beat Anna's expectations in its latest earnings. Sales and profit are up. And this is um, actually beating expectations at least. But this did not even factor in the Barbie uh, factor. This was um, something that they did not really take into account in that 
um, quarter. Mm-hmm. Without the Barbie factor, they still had a pretty decent quarter. So I'm going up. Ex-Barbie, shall we say. Mm. Yeah, I'll join you there. Uh, Mattel grossed more than $1 billion US dollars in the second quarter of the year, but its sales were down 12%. Apparently, action figures are not hot at the moment. Surprisingly, Barbie wasn't either, at least not from April to June. But with the Barbie movie out, you can expect that to change, at least I do. You know what was hot from Mattel, though? Mm, what was hot? Hot Wheels. Uh, of course, Hot Wheels. I expect a movie to be coming out soon as well. Hot Wheels a movie. <laughs> and Barbie driving Hot Wheels. Yeah, that seems to be the um, sort of formula, right? You want to do well, make a movie out of it. All right, of our three game companies, Nintendo, Hasbro and Mattel, which do you like best at the moment? Ooh, I'll probably go with Mattel because everything these days has to do with Mattel and the upside is there. I mean, think about it. The Mattel cinematic universe is just... No, around the horizon. It's not just the Hot Wheels. You've also got Barney, the purple dinosaur. You've also got Uno. I heard there's an Uno movie coming out. It's a long list of stuff. Um, Thomas, the engine. You've got a movie there. You You can kind of cross universes as well. Barbie (laughs) on a train playing Uno. It's just going to be a big driver for selling toys. Watch out, uh, Universal Universe. Marvel Universe, the Mattel Universe is coming at you. One more global company before we bring the conversation to Singapore. This one is in the pharmaceutical sector. It's Moderna. What do you think? Post-COVID, up or down for Moderna? Mm, I am going down. Uh, So Moderna, as you pointed out, is um, coming off the COVID-19 pandemic. And quarterly sales are down. So I am just going to be more cautious about where things are going. And I am going down for Moderna. All right. Slightly different view on this side of the studio. Earlier this week, we talked about how Pfizer's business has taken a hit now that COVID vaccines are no longer in high demand for obvious reasons. Well, Moderna is forecasting a jump in its COVID-19 vaccine sales. In fact, it expects to sell 8 billion US dollars worth of the vaccine this year. You ask why? Well, this in part because of new variants. So that's a down for the new variants, but an up for Moderna. Yeah, they're quite pessimistic, huh? Mm. Let's go to round two of Up or Down. This is Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Huang. Let's start with Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding. All right, I am going with Up for Yang Zijiang. So it's looking at first half net profit rising 47%. People are building more ships and they are raking in the money. Look at those profits. Shipbuilder netted some $325 million during the first half of the year. And these latest numbers don't even include profits from their spin-off of Yang Zijiang Financial. So simply put, ships are in demand and the company's margins are rising as well. So that is an up for Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding. Starhub. All right, StarHub is going to be an up for me. And if you look at the first half profit, it's up nearly 26%. And you've got a couple of factors playing out for StarHub. And this includes the services business. So you are seeing a pickup there when you look at broadband, for example. Enterprise business is up as well. And it is looking quite optimistic on its bundling strategy. So that is um, looking at an up for StarHub. Yeah, StarHub is a classic case of glass half full, half empty scenario. On the one hand, StarHub's profits 
jumped 25% during the first half of the year, thanks in large part to its entertainment division. But StarHub is facing challenges in its cybersecurity and its ICT division. So much so, it is slashing its growth forecast for the year to somewhere between 3 and 5%. And that is down from 8 to 10% growth that it was expecting just a couple of months ago. So that's a down for StarHub in my books. Our last entry today, Singapore listed Chinese company Jutian Chemical. Yeah, so this is going to be a down for me mm-hmm. because prices are going down and that's not good news for Jutian Chemicals um, because it has dented its earnings. In fact, net loss of $30.4 million for the first half ended June compared with a profit of, well, nearly twice that amount, $60 million in the year-ago period. So it is seeing prices down as competition goes up. That's it. It is facing new competition and falling prices. Uh, quite a toxic mix there. So Jutian Chemical shares down 50% over the past year. It's down for me too. Thank you very much. Ryan Huang, I'm Michelle Martin. You're tuned to Your Money. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.